0: Georgia's DBHDD is urging people to store and lock away all medications to prevent theft and keep them away from children and pets. Old medications can be disposed at Dropbox locations. Dropbox locations can be found at opioidresponse.info.
1: Welcome to Political Rewind. We're live in Cartersville, Georgia, in front of an audience at the Grand Theater. Thank you all so much for being here. (laughs) We have... Let, let me do this by applause. How many of you here tonight are Cartersville, Bartow County? Give us just applause. How many? I know uh, we have uh, uh, some uh, folks from Rome. How many are from Rome, Floyd County? Alright, so uh, we're gonna give you a chance. We'd love to have you be a part of it show tonight. You know, we've taken the show to Savannah, to Macon, to Columbus. We've done uh, it shows in front of live audiences in Atlanta. It's the first time we've gotten up here to the northwest corner of the state. And it's really fun to be up this way. Um, you are an interesting community politically, and we'll talk about that tonight. I think um, President Trump won uh, both Bartow and Floyd Counties by well over 70, I think Bartow County by like 79% of the vote, I think it was close to that in Floyd uh, County. Um, uh, Brian Kemp had similar numbers up here, very popular uh, with uh, voters in this community. So in some ways this may be the most conservative community that we've had a chance to do the show in, but. I don't presume that this is an audience necessarily filled with uh, conservatives. We'll find out as we talk to you all tonight. (laughs) Well, there's one right there. Um, Before I introduce the panel, I do wanna uh, uh, thank the uh, public officials who we have with us tonight. Senator Bruce Thompson is a Republican from District 14. How long have you been in in that seat? seventh Seventh year. Wow, Katie Dempsey, representative from up there in Rome. How about you, how long? 13 years, 13 years. wow. And uh, Matt Gam- Matthew Gamble. Matthew, you're a freshman. Six months. Six months. <laughs> uh, we'll let you uh, participate. We'll, we'll be interested in you getting involved uh, I- as we go along. So, let me introduce our great panel up here in Cartersville. Jim Galloway, the lead political, Writer for the AJC, back from the north of England. We've missed you for two weeks and are glad you're back, Jim.
2: Uh, yeah, yeah, I missed the cool weather.
1: <laughs> I understand. That. Um Kevin Riley, your boss, the editor of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, is uh, with us. Hi, Kevin.
3: Good to be here, Bill, and uh, I'm thrilled to have a chance to come up to Cartersville and the warm welcome we've gotten here.
1: Yeah, people great. have been people have been great up here. Julianne Thompson who is a Republican strategist, very active in Republican politics here in Georgia. She's the founder of the Tea Party, the Georgia Tea Party, back in when, 2010, 11?
0: It was a long time ago, yeah, back in 2009.
1: Next to you, Dr. Andra Gillespie, political science professor from Emory University. Hi, Andra. Hi, how
0: are you?
1: I'm great, and I saved for last. The man who used to represent Bartow floyd counties as a member of the US House, a Democratic member of the House, Mr. Buddy Darden.
4: That's right, I'm glad to be at a, back at a place where people understand me. <laughs> you, you, how many times did you run for election up here? I mean, in the district, of course. Yes, I did. In fact, the only precincts I carried the first time I ran north of Cobb County were right here in Carterville, Georgia. Oh, all right, great. <laughs> well, we're glad you're here. So
1: let me start with, um, with this question. Panel. And Jim, let me start with you, if I might. You know, we've spent a lot of time on Political Rewind talking about HB 481, and for, I think, good reason. A lot of the conversation has been around the concerns of uh, the movie and television industry, whether they're gonna continue uh, producing here in Georgia. We've talked a lot about uh, women out there, who are angry about losing control, they feel of their bodies, all that sort of thing. But but the HAC ran an interesting piece this past week, which tells us that across r- big swatches of rural Georgia and probably up this way as well, people are pretty happy about HB 481, and it is a bill that played
2: to Governor Kemp's base. Look, th- this is if 481 was endorsed. Uh, <clears throat> uh, very heavily by the by the uh, uh, the Georgia Baptist Convention. It's not the uh, the, the Georgia Georgia Baptist Mission Board. It's it, it's called called now. Uh, it 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 kind of it, it's it's it represents a the, the kind of the the finishing compact between the, the Georgia Republican Party and evangelicals throughout Georgia. I think so. Uh, it, it's really no surprise. That 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 uh, 481 has that kind of support once you get outside of the, the, the major metropolitan <clears throat> areas and 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 quite frankly it's this is a, it's it's a it's a huge cultural this is uh, it, it represents a huge cultural and geographic divide uh, in Georgia that I think we're going to have to come to grips with
1: it it does though um, Andra uh, put Georgia in a position much as the we've seen in Washington where you have President Trump playing uh, virtually completely to his base and on a bill like 481 and a couple other measures we could talk about, here too, Governor Kemp has decided he will play directly to his base despite the controversy around him.
5: Well, I'm not surprised that that Governor Kemp would play to his base. I'm not surprised that he would keep a campaign promise. Um, I think it's actually really mindful for those of us who live in metro Atlanta to realize that we're only half the state. So I think people need to be aware of what the feelings are on both sides of this issue in both the urban and rural parts of the state. I think the larger discussion that we need to have here um, is uh, whether or not people are comfortable with all of the consequences that, you know, might come as a result of this particular bill. And so, um, you know, to the extent that Governor Kemp counted the costs, so to speak, by counting this bill and is prepared for them and has a contingency plan, then that's something important and that needs to be communicated uh, to people, and particularly those who uh, work in the film industry. And I think for those who are supportive of the bill, who live outside of the state, who um, might not um, recognize how important this is is particularly to the metro atlanta economy or how many jobs rely on it i just think there needs to be an honest conversation even if people still sort of you know are in their corners and they agree um with the bill or they disagree with the bill i I don't know if everybody you know really understands not just the merits of the bill itself but what the externalities are of that
1: how how comfortable is this audience and if you're not tell me how many how comfortable are you with applauding? if you supported or did not support HB 481? Are you, are you all feeling, yes, we're proud of our place? All right, how many, by applause, because this is radio, uh, are glad that 481 passed in this crowd tonight? And how many of you have concerns about the measure? That's... <laughs> Julianne, that's pretty interesting. What do you think of that?
0: It is interesting, Um, I think that HB 481 is, is very telling as far as the polarization over the abortion issue is concerned. I think you have states, many states like Georgia who have passed similar heartbeat bills across the country and then you have other states that have gone to the other extreme that have passed measures that allow abortion up until the very moment of birth. And so I think because it is such a polarizing issue and it has just become such a, a hotbed of controversy in all of these states. I mean, this is headed for the Supreme Court, no yeah. doubt, um, and I believe this is ultimately going to result in sending it back to the states. It's no longer going to be a federal issue. I believe it's going to be a state issue.
4: Yeah. Well, Bill, believe it or not, I think there are probably some other issues in Georgia as well, and I think that this issue has received, I think, entirely too much attention and taking too much oxygen away from other things going on. I've found out that While some people look at abortion as a principle matter, as a matter of principle one way or another, some, with them, it's just pure politics. And some people, uh, some people's politics are other people's principles, I've found out. But in running for office, i found out that abortion is just one issue that people consider. And in most instances, I know you've got some single-issue people on guns, you've got some single-issue people on abortion, you've got some single-issue people on prayer in schools and whatever but generally speaking, for, for, the, for the most part, most voters look at the issues uh, and take all of them into account, and I don't think this is the single issue vote that uh, so many peop- other people do. Kevin, you wanna jump in? Well,
3: I, I, one thing I would add uh, to what, what Buddy had to say is that um, the whole national conversation about Georgia, all the things we have going on in this state, so many of them positive, a state that's growing and thriving and becoming one of the most important states in the union, all anyone's hearing about outside of Georgia is this issue. And then, you know, we have said this on our, on our pages, you know, this, this law, we're gonna spend a whole bunch of money because it's going to court, it's really probably not gonna go into place, it is not a top issue in any poll for Georgia voters, it's not the most important thing. We're not changing anyone's mind tonight or ever on this thing, and I think we just have to remember that, that um, we'd be better off working where we have lots of common ground instead of rushing to the issues where we're most separated. So I wanna, it's...
1: um, Jim, in a way, the governor sort of upped the ante possibly a little bit with his most recent comments about this. We already know that he has said, well, you know, we're not gonna let Hollywood dictate our values, well and good. I mean, I I think maybe he's picked a fight that he's gonna wanna back away from a little, but then he told the Savannah News, uh, Adam Van Bremmer, editorial page editor, did an interview with him over the weekend, and he brought up the other issue. He said, you know, there are, a number of people, there are many people here who don't like the tax giveaway, the tax incentive we give to Hollywood in the first place. And and that struck me as something that those film people are gonna listen to and, and be a little, that might add a little to their concerns already.
2: Right, and it, it you know it, it was uh, oh, I mean, it was probably about four or maybe six years ago I was at a, at a re, uh, an orientation meeting for new law lawmakers that they have in Athens in every other year and and uh, one of the uh, a, a fellow from Villa Rica who had just gotten elected uh, raised that very point he says why are we giving tax breaks yeah. to people who are going to want to change us and and you know it, it's uh, <coughs> uh, uh, I know uh, if you're a Republican, you're you, you're looking at Hollywood and you're saying, uh, you knew who you knew who we were when we came, but the other the flip side of that is that Georgia Republicans had to know who Holly was, Hollywood was, when they reached out and and brought them into the state. Let, so this, let, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Finish. So this is this is a I mean it's a it is a it's it's a uh, uh, it's a it's it's a mutual sparring match.
1: Yeah. Senator Thompson, let me just, I know Buddy wants to get in, but as long you're here. Um, What do you think when you hear all these people applauding, uh, say they don't really like 481?
6: Well, I I think everyone's got an opinion on this issue. I, I applaud Governor Kemp for standing by the promises he made when he was running for office. The reality is this issue is very deeply seated in our family. Both our kids are newborn adoptions. Our gifted child, Faith, who sang the national anthem for Pence, was five minutes from being aborted her mother did not feel like she had another choice, but once positioned um, with another option, she clearly said I would rather put the child up for adoption than aborting. I think we've got to do a much better job in our state providing these ladies and these women with options other than just abortion.
1: Katie Dempsey, uh, are are you worried about the reaction of the film and television industry?
4: Not probably at the level that you are, actually.
1: What do you mean, do you think, because why? Why do we have a different position, do you think?
4: Well, I I hear the conversation about, this is about speaking to the base, and it's really not. It's about speaking to life. And that's what is lost in this conversation, I think. There is a life in there that matters. It matters particularly the later that you carry that baby. I have spoken with so many people since we did do this and it was very courageous I applaud Governor Kemp for it he he had to pull many of us along this is a conversation you don't have if you can avoid it without a doubt but I have spoken to so many people who are adopted and who have adopted and we need to be careful to make sure that those babies have that opportunity
1: and we have talked about that on the show, we said it's not—it's not. It's not and for some people, this is primarily and specifically Julianne—a moral issue, not a political issue.
0: It is, and, and in many cases, a deeply held religious issue. Uh, for myself, I'm, I'm one of those people, and I, I was reading—you know—a comment by Dr. Ben Carson. One must be able to recognize the depravity we have sunk into as a society when valuing a baby's life is frowned upon, and I think that. He, he encapsulated exactly how most conservatives and, and most Republicans feel about this particular issue. Now, th- sometimes we vary in in how extreme we, we want to take that issue, but um, I'm, I personally believe that life begins at conception, and I, Support this bill. I thank our senators and our state representatives that voted for it. And I'm extremely proud to have a governor that values human life and who keeps his promises. All
1: right, Andre and Buddy, I know you want to get a word in, so let me do that and then we're going to move on. Andre and then Buddy.
5: So now that we've Pass this bill and it's likely going to end up in court and I think you know part of the reason why we saw this happen this year was that Georgia wasn't the only state that was considering a heartbeat bill or something that was potentially more stringent and so you know there is a strategy behind this and the strategy is to try to create a judicial controversy that ends up having to be settled by the Supreme Court and I think that that's definitely where we're headed but I think for those who really do care about this issue and I think that there are many people who care about this issue and I don't doubt anybody's sincerity on this issue and I speak as a pro-life evangelist. One of the things that we need to talk about if we're going to talk about life is thinking about sort of what that looks like all across the life spectrum. And so if we care, and I will talk anybody out who's close to me, I will try to talk them out of an abortion if I feel that I'm in a position to be able to to do something along those lines. But there are other things that we need to be talking about. You know, I was certainly raised in the era where I was pulled out of sex education because my parents didn't want to give me ideas about fornicating, but um, there's a need for comprehensive sex education, right, because we all need to know how the plumbing works.
0: It's not about trying to
5: get people to do stuff that they're not ready to do. We need to have access to contraception. We need to have access to prenatal and maternal care and and, 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 and post-birth childcare. And all of these kinds of things, and if that's not on the discuss, that's not on the table for the discussion, then this looks like this kind of humped-up political right, point. And makes- I think that's what we need to be talking about now that this bill is passed. All right, buddy,
4: I'm gonna get you wanted the last word on this. Well, I was wondering if you're gonna give me a chance, Bill, because uh, you as, always
1: get a chance. Buddy. As, I,
4: as I've said, as <laughs> I've said many times, uh, while I don't doubt the sincerity of all of the people who've expressed, especially the representatives who've, who've expressed their opinions here tonight. Uh, one person's principle is another person's politics. And I think this has been driven far more by politics than it has by principle. And in my view, after talking with representatives from our former governor, they're always saying that the way you run the state is you run to the right, and once you get the, the election behind you, you govern from the middle. And The hardest thing for a politician to do, and take my word for it because it's happened to me over and over, is to admit you made a mistake. And I just think that uh, Governor Governor Kemp made a serious mistake here. I don't think he realized the full intent of what he was doing. I think if he had a chance to do it, he would he would undo it, but now he's got to figure some way to get himself out of this box, and hopefully the U.S. Supreme Court will get him out of this box. All right,
1: let me let me add a layer to this, um, and then we're going to move on. And I want to hear what the audience thinks are the big issues, but but let's add one layer to this, Kevin. We learned this morning reading the jolt in the Atlanta Journal Constitution, which Jim Galloway oversees, in addition to writing column on Wednesdays and Sundays in your paper, which I didn't mention. We, we keep them working hard. Yeah. Uh, we, read, we learn that Stacey Abrams, with the president of NARAL, uh, is heading to Los Angeles to meet with industry executives. Now, Abrams has of course said, don't bail out on Georgia, please. You're not doing it, you need to stay here and fight. But I wonder if by making, the, you know, Brian Kemp's not going out for the annual visit that governors typically make. I wonder if by going out there, I wonder what her message really is gonna be since she's going out with the president of a big pro-abortion group, the biggest in the country in many ways. Is she adding fuel to the fire without maybe meaning to
3: or is she deciding that from a political point of view it works better for her to do that? Well, I think she's adding fuel to the fire and I I think she means to. I mean, I I don't think it's that complicated. Uh, She is trying to walk that line, of course, which is the problem with calling for boycotts and to tell all these film production groups to leave the state is there are jobs at stake. There are people who are making- 92,000. Yeah, there's a big debate about the industry's impact, you know, but, but I think we can recognize it as not insignificant. It's sometimes overstated, some people believe. But it's she, as a politician, she's trying to take that position, right, that, well, I'm not gonna hurt your job, but I'm still on this side of this issue and uh i think the governor the governor will have some sort of response all right
1: jim uh, we got to get to a break in a minute let me I
2: know, <clears throat> Andrea, be a, just a, a little bit more uh, uh, let me be a little bit more cynical if i could on this <laughs> <clears throat> and that is that is look you know it's, it's abrams's message all along has been don't boy- boycott don't boycott uh, uh, right. georgia send money uh, and 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 what this—it's—it's it's always interesting to watch a politician take a, a t- take a challenging situation and turn it into something of an advantage.
1: Well, yes, but but if she goes out there, under and and in fact does use this to raise money, isn't she adding fuel to the fire? Even as she says, "Oh, don't boycott Georgia."
5: So. What I, I'll i say that what she's possibly doing here is burnishing her credentials in a way that we saw Jesse Jackson and Bill Richardson do when they would kind of go abroad <laughs> to get hostages from certain types of places. So she's sort of proving that she's able to get jobs and she's able to negotiate and bridge across the divides. And, and sort of whether or not you want to interpret that cynically, I, you know, I think I'll leave that up to you. The other thing that I would also sort of put into play, considering that she is my former rep and we... Don't live that far from each other, is that we are very used to seeing like movies in our neighborhood. So like I have to drive past the Pullman Yards where parts of the Hunger Games were filled, and yeah. where I drive past in the morning, and all of a sudden when I see the tents and when I see the campers and things out there, I realize they're getting ready to use that for another shoot. So I mean, this has become, for those of us who live inside the perimeter, this has become a really sort of important and indelible part of our lives. And so I think we recognize that. Like I have friends from California, you know, who I've known from school, you know, who are coming back to Georgia to work on. Those projects and if they got pulled out then we couldn't hang out and so like you know it's perfectly self-interested but I mean we understand why like she might try to do that for that reason
1: I gotta get to break before I do I want to do a snap poll you're my focus group how many of you are tired of hearing us talk about this subject on political rewind applaud if you are not many and how many of you think it's a subject we have to keep discussing all right my producers, Robert Jimison and Tom Faust, will be very happy to hear that. Let's do this. We are in Cartersville, Georgia, in front of a live audience at the Grand Theater. We'll be back after these messages.
3: Are you thinking of getting rid of your old car, truck, or RV? GPB's Vehicle Donation Program is here to help donating has never been easier you'll take care of everything including free pickup of your vehicle just go to gpb.org cars or call 877 gpb one car that's 877-472-1227 and thanks
0: so much Thirty years ago, tanks rolled in and Chinese soldiers fired on demonstrators in Beijing's Tiananmen Square.
4: A row of tanks stretches from one end of the square to the other. It's clear that that square will have a symbolic meaning to this army for some time to come.
0: NPR's Deb Amos remembers covering the aftermath of Tiananmen Square this afternoon on All Things Considered from NPR News.
2: Four till seven today on GPB and GPBnews.org.
1: Welcome back to Political Rewind. We are here in the Grand Theater with a live audience of people from Bartow County, Cartersville, Rome, Floyd County, we're so glad that you're all here for Political Rewind. Matt Gamble, I want to ask you a quick question because then I want to ask people in the audience too. We just spent a lot of time talking about 481. What's the big issue? Buddy Darden said, we got too many other issues going on and we're spending too much time on that. What should we be talking
4: about, Matt? right and Bill no that's fine and welcome to Cartersville we're honored to host you today and and hope you'll enjoy our downtown community but Bill I'm more interested in how I'm going to get the food to the summer programs at the Boys and Girls Club locally and those are the issues that I'm driven by our active train line here in downtown how we're going to deal with transportation and uh, we want to continue to manage the growth that's coming this way up I 75 from the Atlanta area and so That's where I live, is working to make sure that I'm representing my district and doing the best job that I can as their representative. So those are the issues that are fresh on my mind today, and and every day is a new challenge as I'm learning uh, as a freshman representative.
1: What are some of the audience, what issues are you all concerned about? Anybody want to weigh in? I know, it. hold on, there's somebody in the back here. Bailey, you want to get the person who just raised their hand, please? And we'll find out what they want, and then we'll ask the panel to weigh in on them.
0: The farmers in South Georgia who haven't been helped with their money that they need from the government.
1: You know what? I am glad you asked that. Robert Jimison sent me a note five minutes ago saying, you know, the House went back into session today after their Memorial Day recess. They came in early this evening and they passed the emergency relief bill. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Anybody else, or should I, we turn it back to the panel? All right, let me go, oh, here we go. Come on down here, because I'm supposed to stay in sort of the light. <laughs> Tell us your name.
0: My name is Beth, and I'm concerned about the tariffs. See? I'm concerned about the tariffs.
1: Oh, yeah, let's talk tariffs. Thank you, Beth. Um, all right, you guys, so we now have How much of Cartersville and Rome are gonna be, you've got Shaw Industries, I assume that's a problem. They're doing flooring, right? Carpeting, tile, all that sort of thing. I don't know, does it affect Budweiser, Anheuser? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah? Um, So, let's talk, buddy.
4: We've got chemical products out here, and of course, they plant up in Adairsville that manufactures quartz. Yes. And uh, they're going to be severely impacted by by the tariffs if this keeps up. And we've got to remember that when tariffs are imposed, the people who pay them are the people in the country where the where tariffs the are imposed. That is us. It, we're not the White House. The people. Wait over the weekend, and all the talk shows, the
1: White House said, nope, not going to happen that way, but
4: Oh, in that case the White House said it, I guess that means, it's, <laughs> means it means it's <laughs> true, doesn't it? me get Julianne, let me get you Julianne, let me get you in here first.
1: Uh, The the latest, of course, as everybody knows, is in addition to the 25% tariffs now with the war with China, the trade war with China, and now the president, of course, last week said he's going to uh, have a punitive 5% tariff on Mexico starting June 10th if they don't start helping solve the crisis at the border, although there are no measurable standards, and that'll keep increasing. Are are you, you know, there have been a lot of Republicans concerned about this, what about you?
0: I'm one of them, I'm not pro-tariff myself. (laughs) So um, I'm one of those Republicans that's concerned. Um, I I very much support our president and most everything that he does, but I do have concerns about this, and like you say, how do you measure that where where Mexico is concerned? I believe that this is best dealt with through diplomatic means, obviously there's a problem but it's something that we should be dealing with diplomatically and not through tariffs.
2: Jim? Yeah, uh, the, actually the, the, the one uh, uh, glimmer of, of hope on this I, I've, I was just picking up today was that, that the Trump administration is actually sending uh, uh, a dip- diplomatic corps uh, uh, down to the Guatemala-Mexico uh, border to, to, because that's where the, the problem needs to be dealt with uh, b- uh, before you get to Mexico. It, you need, we need to have some, some work, uh, we, need to, we need to help prop up the Guatemalan government, the Honduran government, uh, all those things that, that are falling apart there. That's how you stop the flood.
5: So I want to get back to the original question about how we can tell whether or not it's true that we won't pay for the tariffs, yeah. whether or not they'll be paid on the other side. Um, you know, my mom's washing machine broke after 40 years, so it was finally time to replace it. But the urgency is we your mom's what? Washing machine. Oh, washing. I'm so sorry. The same Go one ahead. that she's had most of my life died, um, and so we replaced it very quickly. And then my mom actually gave away. A a perfectly fine dishwasher and I was like but mom the tariff is real like okay we got to go replace this now but the best way that we can see this especially if the Mexican tariffs go into effect is you need to see how much your burrito costs at Chipotle because Chipotle has already said they're getting ready to pass along those costs to the consumer so it's going to be in those small things if your can of beer goes up because the price of aluminum I mean all of these things are ways that we can measure via our own pocketbooks whether or not that tariff is actually having a direct effect on the American consumer.
1: Kevin, let me get you in here, and then you, buddy. Uh, how many people, again, in this audience with a p- show of applause, worry that whatever job you're in right now, the industry, the business in which you work is going to be affected more now by the possibility of a Mexican tariff, the 25%. Give it a cheer, you know, applaud
3: if you're worried about that. Mm. I mean, to me, the, the thing about the, the there are two big things about the tariffs. First, of course, is we know what American business likes is stability, predictability. That way, businesses can decide what to invest, how to market, and they can thrive. When it's constantly, you know, changing or there's turmoil, it's very hard for businesses to make decisions. They tend to pull back. And then the other thing that seems odd to me is just, like, I just feel like the president, every time a problem crops up, tariffs tariffs is the answer. It's like his go-to thing. And I just don't think they will solve some of these political problems. I mean, we've had this immigration issue now for decades. It has been very difficult to solve. And so we think if we just make Mexico pay pay tariffs or we impose tariffs on Mexico, we'll suddenly fix that? I mean, it just makes no sense to me.
1: Well, buddy, the president does point out that the Mexican border uh, the southern Mexican border is a very, it's like 100 plus miles or something. It's not 4,000 miles, as the US-Mexico border. But the president says that Mexico really can commit what's necessary to stop the flow of migrants across their southern border.
4: That's what he says. However, uh, I wanna go back to Bartow County a second because sure. there is, is no community in North Georgia that has benefited more from international trade than Bartow County. Is that right,
1: everybody? Applaud if you have. We
4: have some very outstanding companies here, uh, beginning with with Budweiser, we're looking at the quartz plant we mentioned, we've uh, had all Toyo tires, and this has really been a big magnet uh, for uh, international companies And you're booming up
1: here, right? They are booming. Jobs? I I just read an article in, uh, I think it was one in the Cartersville newspaper, that that there's such full employment here that employers are worrying that they have to pay too much to uh, bring in new workers. Is
4: that the way things are right now? Pretty exciting, buddy. And I think that's great, and I think that's great. And what we've got to do is realize realize that we need to keep this same business-friendly climate uh, throughout the state uh, and throughout the southeast that we have now. And it's because, it's because we have had a government which understands and encourages uh, free trade. And Bartow County is a prime example because with these companies here, it keeps the taxes on your residential property uh, quite reasonable. And I think your commissioner, Steve Taylor, would be the first one to, to tell you that you start jeopardizing these companies they start pulling out then the cost of living here, your taxes, right. go up. All right, for the well, well, you, you know, we'll
1: see whether, on June 10th, whether the president was using that just as a big stick or actually is going to impose the tariffs. We'll, we'll watch that. That's only a week
4: away. Well, Bill, it's not just, it's just not what's coming up June it's 10th. It's the China it's, tariffs. It, it's and, the, it's, yeah. the, general it's the general concept. Of course, yeah,
1: okay. Uh, let me change subjects and go to something very strictly political. Andra Gillespie, if I can, let me start with you on this. I know, when I say, you know, do you notice the way audience here, Andra looked like, oh no, is this a quiz? (laughs) She knows about anything I want to ask her about, she's going to know the answer. Um, So the DCCC, the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, which oversees uh, the elections of members of the House, incumbents of the House, in the House, has just in force has just created a policy that they're now enforcing, which says they wanna protect every incumbent who's running for reelection, Democrat who's running for re-election. They don't want challengers, and so they have announced they're gonna essentially blackball any consultant or campaign operative who goes to work for a challenger of a Democratic incumbent. Now, why does that matter here in Georgia? Because at least one Democrat, a familiar uh, name on our show, Michael Owens, has decided he wants to challenge Democrat David Scott in the 13th Congressional District, and both Jim and I reached out to Michael to ask him about this, and he said, yeah, earlier on there were a lot of national consultants who really wanted to come and work on my campaign. Yeah, and now he's, challenging an incumbent, so we don't know how many of them were out there want to do that, but he says it's really hurting him. This seems like such a self-destructive policy in some ways.
5: So there's a lot going on there. So um, (laughs) I started my academic career writing about black insurgent candidates who ran against black incumbents. And so Michael Owens is sort of fitting into that realm. And so in general, when you think about this, we talk about strategic campaigns and not so strategic campaigns. On its surface, this isn't the most strategic campaign. Most strategic politicians wait for an open seat or they wait for a really embattled um, politician to run against, either because they've been brought down by their own scandal or because the partisan winds are kind of turning against them. And so the the odds are already stacked against these insurgent challengers. Um, These incumbents already have name um, identification. They already have access to free communications. There's all kinds of stuff that they have. So to add insult to injury injury by then blacklisting consultants who might want to work with these insurgent candidates. Candidates, one, you're already the deck is already stacked against these these challengers. So to do something else is, is is not particularly politic. The other thing is I think it actually ends up impeding the spirit of competition. Yeah,
1: I mean well that's what a lot of women and, and Republic and when, I mean democratic women in the House are already saying.
5: And the marketplace of ideas. And so to tell people that you can't get other work with our approved candidates if you work with an insurgent candidate, you know, without sort of judging whether or not sometimes that insurgent candidate might be the better candidate. I I think is actually short-sighted yeah. the other thing that I would point out here is that you know I seem to recall the RNC changing rules about delegate allocation because yeah. they didn't want Ron Paul to to like win delegates um, and while that wouldn't have stopped Donald Trump from winning the nomination it's he certainly won the nomination faster because he accrued right. delegates based on the rule change so my adage would be don't change the rules because you don't know how much is gonna bite you in the butt later on you know so
1: buddy Jim, Darden uh, was once
3: an incumbent so Jim first of all yeah.
1: first of all let's face it our friend Michael Owens, who may or may not make a good congressman, we're not commenting on that, uh, he's just, he really wants to run for Congress no matter, and, and he thinks he's the better guy than David, David uh, uh, is. But, but Alexander, how many think, how many in this audience uh, do you th- think Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is the devil? Just by applause. <laughs> All right. I don't even. Okay. So Galloway, she would say, I wouldn't have been able to be elected against a longtime incumbent if it. If oh, I, I
2: think. Look, I think this policy is, is, is very much directed directed at, at at AOC and and Georgia aside, Michael Owens aside. I mean, the real fear is, is will this prevent more women uh, from running uh, for, for running for Congress and changing the makeup of Congress? Uh, I mean, we had our, we had our, just just finished having our biggest year, in t- 2018, in, in terms of of uh, what 100 100 women.
1: Like, hundred hundred yeah, hundred three. I got I got hundred two. Yeah yeah, somewhere
2: somewhere in that territory. And so so are you are you are you now saying that you're going to uh, most look the, the 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 House Democratic Caucus is 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 is, is still uh, over 50% male and if there if there are people who want to change that the only way you change that is by 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 uh, challenging its you know a few kevin incumbents. it
1: strikes me that speaker pelosi has enough pr- trouble on her hands trying to rein in the liberal members of her caucus and this just further irritates a lot of the, especially women who think that she's holding back on things like impeachment and that's right now, I,
3: I would agree with you 100%. I think it's nothing but trouble for the Democrats. But I'm interested in what someone who once was a Democratic incumbent would say.
4: I was hoping you'd give me an opportunity, Bill, because—
1: <laughs> Does anybody here think, think that Buddy doesn't get plenty of chances? I can't.
4: <laughs> I can't speak for Republicans. But the most overrated group of people in America today are the experienced Democratic uh, political consultants. In fact, they managed to lose it for Al Gore. They managed to lose it for Hillary Clinton. Every time I went against my own instincts and went along with what the consultant proposed, uh, mistake. So I would be the first one to say that political consultants on the Democratic side, Juliana, uh, highly overrated, and in my opinion, highly effective. And the best ones are the ones who get in the campaign for the first time and have that enthusiasm and don't do it for the money, they do it for the commitment. Uh, Julianne, I, you know, <laughs> we always have said, Galloway, I'm sure, has experienced
1: this, that you know that a Democratic uh, candidate's going to lose, or you imagine he's going to lose, when three or four days before the election, that candidate's consultant calls you and says, you know, I told him he should be listening, if he had employed, and at that moment, you know the polling shows that candidate, man or woman, is going down. Go ahead.
0: Well, I was gonna say, the NRCC, of course, also doesn't want to challenge incumbents, especially if they're strong incumbents, but there has never been a blacklisting policy that I've ever heard of that has, that has come out of not, the Republican Not a formal Party. one, well, there, there, there have this been is informal, informal ones. One. This is a formal <laughs> one, and the optics are absolutely terrible. Um, going back to what Congressman Darden said a little while ago, that he was always taught that when you run in Georgia, you run to the right and then you govern to the center. Um, I think that that is what most people view as a problem because the reason people love underdogs and the reason that people love outsiders and these insurgent candidates like Trump is because people are tired of politicians that campaign one way and govern another. And I think that's true on both sides of the political aisle. All
1: right, I gotta get to a break. When we come back, I wanna turn to the audience and see what questions you might have for our panel. Uh, This is Political Rewind from the Grand Theater in Cartersville.
3: I'm Ross Terrell, GPB's reporter in Atlanta. I cover issues that affect the metro area, and I break down what they mean for people across the state and people just like you. Issues like MARTA expansion and new cityhood movements making their way through the Goat Dome. Listen to Georgia Public Broadcasting for in-depth reporting that matters and stand with the facts.
5: On the next Fresh Air, breaking the story of R&B star
1: R. Kelly's underage sexual victims. We talk with Jim DeRogatis. The stories he broke include the sex tape, or rape tape, that led to Kelly's 2008 trial, and the sex cult that Kelly ran. DeRogatis has spoken to many of Kelly's victims.
6: He has a new book called Soulless: The Case Against R. Kelly. Join us.
2: Fresh Air is this afternoon at 3 on GPB and gpbnews.org.
1: Welcome back to Political Rewind. Kevin Riley, Jim Galloway, Julianne Thompson, Andre Gillespie, Buddy Darden here at the Grand Theater in Cartersville, Georgia. We've got a pretty good-sized audience out here, a couple hundred people, I think, and uh, we're gonna give them a chance to uh, weigh in. Yes, sir, tell me your name and ask your question.
6: Uh, Russell McClanahan from Rome, Georgia, and. This is my question. First of all, if we went back with well, this uh, statement first 100 years ago, we'd be having another uh, pretty hot topic, and you know what that would be? What would it be? It'd be that the remen- women's right to vote. Oh,
2: all right.
1: I don't know if
6: this is <laughs> 100 years. So, it, so it shows how far we've come. But uh, the, the other thing they would be d- discussing would be the uh, arms carry. That was there was a big move to uh, get rid of handguns. So it won- makes me wonder how far we've come in 100 years. But my question is this. Seaburn Wright was a representative from this area and he stated that it, it, when he ran the first time it was to because he was there to serve the people but from then on when he ran he ran because he would have to run because his main job was to get reelected.
1: Well, and there's a question which is all about incumbency and why you need to keep getting reelected, buddy. Why did you have to keep getting reelected for? Well, I didn't
4: sake. always get reelected. <laughs> In fact, I, I served six terms, and uh, the people decided that they wanted me back home, and I followed what the people told me. It was it was
2: it was uh, it was it was that drive-by jogging with Bill Clinton. <laughs> yeah.
1: That got that did you in? Uh, should we? Who wants to say something about term limits? Anybody?
2: Well, well you've got you've uh, you do have Ted Cruz, uh, yep. introducing legislation yep. in, in D.C. that would limit senators to two terms. Uh, to 12 years, uh, you know. It, it, then you have to look at who you're giving up uh, at that point. You have to. You, you're you're giving up Sam Nunn, You're giving up Johnny Isaacson, uh, and 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 that's some. I think that's something
4: that has to be weighed. There's a lot of hypocrisy in that bill. Strom Thurmond, toward the end of his career, came out in favor of term <laughs> limits, and he's been there 50 years. Yeah. So. There's a lot of hypocrisy about
1: that. Uh, Bailey's got somebody who wants to ask a question.
4: Um, Hello, Uh, my name is Harris Allen. And I'd like to ask the panel about uh, an issue regarding Georgia's health. The population health in Georgia ranks 39th or 40th um, across all states in the country. And we know that health is intimately tied to productivity and therefore, Georgia's number one business ranking is in jeopardy as a consequence of its health standing. What I don't hear is the, the health issue being brought up and, and, and all in effort being considered
1: Let, let me Let me, I'm sorry, but that's, I think it's great that we talk health. Uh, by the way, we learned just before going on the air, Kevin, that the governor's office has now picked a firm to do the uh, proposal for Medicaid waivers. Right,
3: Uh, that's why I wanted to jump in. I mean, so the state is moving forward on that healthcare waiver, and as all of you know, Georgia has resisted strongly expanding Medicaid. And the governor wants to look at a, a way to get some of that money into the state that doesn't just grow the, the, the Medicaid rules and the spending spending for the state. And and those of you who listen to the show know that a, 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 just a week ago, Bill and I did a show with folks from Grady Hospital, where they talked about their program. So I, I think that all kinds of people in the state are talking about what to do about health and health outcomes in Georgia. How many of you in the audience would like for Governor Kemp to, in fact...
1: Do a complete expansion of Medicaid. To make Medicaid. A med-
6: what do you think when you hear that? I think your audience spoke. <laughs> right. Well, you know what
3: though. Despite despite those sentiments and our own polling shows similar sentiments, I just think the governor and the legislature are very reluctant to simply expand it. And what they want to do is figure out a way. To get better outcomes, maybe through this waiver and other ways. I mean, that's just reality in Georgia. That, we're not going to just expand Medicaid anytime soon. Uh, we got another question back here somewhere? Huh? Do you have a question? Yes.
5: Um, I'm Christy Turner. Um, I'm a college student, and I was just wondering if there's anything on the table for you know college tuition because there's a lot of times there's scholarships and everything else. But you kind of have to be very poor or come for a family with, you know, there's a lot of kids and a single parent and even though if you have the academic you know, achievement for those scholarships, there's still a lot
1: of... Where do you go to school?
5: Savannah State University.
1: So there's the Hope Scholarship.
5: Yes, I have that, but I'm talking Correct. about, um, you know, larger funding than that because I also want to go to law school and that's not gonna be cheap after getting a four-year wow. degree. Yeah,
1: uh, you know what, uh, Galloway, there are Democratic presidential candidates <laughs> Who are making part of their platform uh, free college? I, what you, it strikes me that if, and if, if you want to give Donald Trump a real opening to talk about socialism, um, socialism, it, that may be a great idea. But how does that play in a campaign? Well,
2: you know, you know what's interesting is is uh, over the last two weeks we've all been kind of stirred up by this. Uh, this billionaire who has is, who is, uh, uh, is declared that he's going to pay off the, uh, the college tuition bills of what, 346 graduates of... The student loans uh, at Morehouse. The yeah. student, student loans at Morehouse. And what's, what I found interesting is, is just how difficult that is to take care of those loans and, 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 and how that's, that's, that's going to... Now, you take Morehouse and you mul- multiply that by, you know, by 40,000, 50,000 college institutions and you're talking about a, 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 a real serious problem here. Bruce Thompson said he wanted to weigh in real quick.
6: Yeah, I just think it's interesting. There's, there's no such thing as free. I mean, there just isn't. So when we talk about free this and free that, that money has to come from somewhere. And last I checked, there are no money trees going in Bartow County. You're gonna shift that wealth from somewhere. I do feel like we need to be able to provide an opportunity for students that wanna to go to college but we've got to hold them accountable because we've got a whole bunch of kids starting college out of hope and then they don't follow through as well. Okay. You
1: want to take another question? You've got a question over there, I think. Um, Carly?
0: Hi, I'm Rebecca Moy with the League of Women Voters out of Roman Floyd County. We have um, a question about security of our new machines and what assurances do we have that they will be totally secure?
1: who wants to grab that one
2: well sure. i can i can tell you that, I, that we, we had a we had the uh, <coughs> uh, judge Totenberg uh, decide that the the the, uh, the 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 abram's lawsuit challenging uh, george's vote, voting system uh, would be allowed to proceed and it there was if you if you read through the the decision there was there were a couple interesting lines and and one of the one there were two places where totenberg was saying that the case, that 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 we may have to, we we may, it may be a portion that's removed from it, and that is uh, the the effectiveness of the voting machines, and the the cybersecurity measures. Uh, uh, the Abrams uh, Abrams people are, are challenging both, but the the judge is saying that we, we 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 need to wait and see how things develop. There are things that could happen with that voting machine system in the next eighteen months, and with cybersecurity in the next eighteen months that could actually. Uh, f- require the federal judge to to remove that from the lawsuit.
1: Meanwhile, the state is moving forward with uh, taking bids for voting machines, even as Judge Totenberg is preparing for a trial on this very subject, which could be a dissonant sort of uh, pattern in the months ahead, Andra. (laughs)
5: Well, um, yes, and, and I think especially when we consider sort of how we collect votes and how we assure voters that their vote was actually counted and what type of proof that they can take with them. You know, this is just going to be something that we're going to be debating probably up until and immediately after the 2020 election.
1: Julianne, what, tell me about your tell me about your sense of... Uh, we're, I know we're losing... We got audio back. There we go. Julianne, what about the... the the, the very different uh, attitudes of Republicans and Democrats. Democrats who talk about voter suppression, Republicans uh, who talk about uh, voter fraud. I mean, this is one of the most interesting kind of fights that's going on in politics today.
0: Well, I think you summed it up very well as far as the two talking points are concerned. Um, But I think it was very telling, and I've said this before on your show, where as Stacey Abrams continued to toe the line on the the talking points on voter suppression, on her last two mail pieces, at the very bottom of the mail piece, it said it has never been easier to vote in the state of Georgia. So you can't have it both ways. You can't claim voter suppression and then say it's never been easier to vote in the state of Georgia. I
1: I am virtually out of time. I wanna give Jim Galloway, you're making a face. So you've got like 15 seconds.
2: Abrams uh, argues attraction. that's not true. Uh, all, all I would say is those are not two mutually exclusive uh, items. You could ha- you can have a surge in voting, <clears throat> and you can and you can be and you can and you can be suppressing votes at the same time. We are going to continue uh, real quick, Andre, and then.
5: So when we think about voter fraud, if we look at studies, the GAO has looked at this. There's very little evidence of modern voter fraud that would sway elections. However, there is this really long history of people trying to suppress votes, and that's what I think people are playing into even if they can't prove 2018. Thank
1: you to our panel, Galloway, Julianne Thompson, uh, Kevin Riley, Buddy Darden, and uh, Andre Gillespie. And thank you, people of Cartersville, Rome, Bartow County, Floyd County. We've had a great time with you tonight. Thanks for being here for Political Rewind. I'm Bill Nygut. We'll be back again with another live show on Wednesday at 2 o'clock.